Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 145, Hunting, Fishing, Conservation, and Giving Back. Today, I'm talking with Kevin Singleton of Yearning Wild. Kevin grew up hunting and fishing in southern New York State, worked as a teenager in the boatyard on the Hudson River, and is now the owner of a 2% certified business that focuses on healthy dog treats and chews. During the conversation, Kevin dishes on what it was like to work in a boatyard, his thoughts on mentored youth hunting, and why he focuses an outdoor lifestyle for his family. He also fills us in on his business, why he's giving back to conservation, and what it means to be 2% certified. Hey, welcome back, everyone, and uh, welcome to today's guest, Kevin Singleton. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm good today, Jay. Uh, good today. How are you, Jason? I'm doing really good. You know, uh, it's as we're recording this, it's hunting season here in Pennsylvania and in New York, where you are. Um, it pu- always seems to put me in a better mood whenever I have a very defined reason to get out into you know, the woods in the fields and sort of let my mind relax. Uh, do, you, do you sort of think the same way? Does that sort of hit you the same way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just waking up in the morning and just the, the chill in the air and the leaves fall and it's just, uh, just knowing what's in store for the season is just uh, definitely puts me in a better mood. Yeah. You know, I always find it amazing. Um, like this past Saturday, uh, went out archery hunting, woke up at like four 30 in the morning, um, had coffee, was good to go. Didn't feel tired. Like I was excited. Uh, and then, you know, this morning, uh, we're recording this after a work day, uh, this morning, I didn't wake up until, you know, five 30, um, almost five 45. And I just, I felt tired all day. It's amazing how hunting can make me not tired, but, but work makes me feel tired. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm the I'm the same way, man. It's uh, I don't know what it is. It's something mental. It's just about, I mean, it's the, probably the fresh air too, and just being out in nature. I think just does something for you that you don't get other places. I agree, hundred percent. Now, one of the things I mentioned in the intro that you had given me some previous information about yourself, right? So I could introduce you, um, and I always let the guests tell me what they want me to say, because you know yourself the best. And one of the things that you mentioned that I made sure to include was that you worked on a boatyard on the Hudson River. I need to know more about this job. What what was it that you were doing? Uh, I, I did a lot. Uh, really, what I did was I worked for a man that owned a boatyard on the Hudson River, and uh, he also had a bunch of other uh, ventures. He was also, uh, you know, a landlord and owned a lot of property in, uh, in the area. Um but uh, we did a lot. I did a lot of the grounds maintenance. Um, I, I worked my way up. I started there when I was 14 um, doing summers. Uh, I, I did that. Um, and we did uh, a lot of a lot of what I did, too, was was uh, junking boats. We, we it was a scrapyard as well. So we took a lot of boats apart. Um, but and anything, I mean, we did dock maintenance. Um, I helped work on boats uh, with the mechanic, uh, painting boats, uh, 
cleaning boats, detailing boats, all types of stuff. So did that give you like a love for boats? Like you want to own a boat and you want to be fishing and on the water a lot, or did it have the opposite effect? And you're like, you know what? I don't need to own a boat. I know how much work goes into it. Exactly. It was the opposite. It was the opposite. I had zero desire after that uh, to own a boat. I wanted friends that had boats. That was the best thing I could do is uh, have friends and family members that have boats and use theirs and help out in any, whatever way I can. But uh, it's just it's just the work and, and the money and everything that goes into it. Uh, I'm, I'm just as happy fishing for sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Or in my kayak, you know, Listen, I, I, something without a motor. I hear you because, you know, I worked at a country club uh, cutting grass on a golf course uh, all through high school and a little bit into college. And it's like pulling teeth to get me to, you know, cut my own grass at my house. Like I just I, <laughs> it, you, when you do something so much, you're like, I just don't want to do it anymore. You know, like this, this isn't fun. Um, so I get that, you know, I, I, and I think about, you know, the old adver- adage that, uh the two happiest days of a boat owner's life is the day they bought a boat and the day they sold it. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> firsthand from a, a lot of people I witnessed to come right down and they buy one right from the Marina I'm in. And then by the end of the season, they can't wait to get rid of it and they're happy to sell it to the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, like me, uh, we're both, you know, similar in age here. And what that means is when we grew up, uh, you weren't allowed to start hunting until you were 12. Um, now we have these sort of mentor hunts and and kids, you know, sometimes on social media, you're seeing kids as young as like five and six that are shooting deer or, or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, how do you, are you resentful because that opportunity wasn't given to you? Do you think it's like a great thing to get more kids outside? I mean, what are your thoughts on the matter? Uh, I, I think it's really circumstantial. Um, generally speaking, I, I think the younger kids can get involved, the better. Um, the, you you, you got to take a lot into consideration, though, about who's taking them out. And, and obviously, the younger the kids are, the, the more potential safety concerns there are. Um, but I, I think some of these other states are doing it right. They're letting them do it younger. Um, uh, my, my opinion is, uh, for example, here in New York, um, you can't hunt until you're 12 um but you can get a trapping license and you can trap at any age as long as you can pass that trapping course and pass that test you can trap now you can't use a firearm to dispatch the animals um as as if you're under 12 but you can go trap under 12 so i I feel like something like that where if if you can show proficiency um and, and you understand the safety um and especially maybe like a mentorship program you know, I mean, you already have to be with an adult uh, when you're 12 to be hunting in New York. I'm sure it's the same way in Pennsylvania. Um, I just feel like it's more of a proficiency thing and just a situational thing where uh, I almost feel like there shouldn't even be an age limit on it as long as the things are being done properly and safely um, and and they can they can prove that they know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I agree with you uh, for the most part. There's just one part for me personally that I feel like the the whole aspect of having to wait until you're 12, like I remember just the anticipation and the excitement for, you know, years whenever I was 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. I wasn't allowed to hunt. My dad was going to camp. He was coming home with deer. He was coming home with turkey. And just the excitement of knowing that like, okay, four years, 
okay, now it's three years and I can hunt. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and, and so that to the point where, you know, um, when I was in Pennsylvania, as long as you will turn 12 during that current hunting season or that next hunting season, you can take the hunter ed course. So I was 11 in the fall. I took a hunter ed course. I turned 12 in February and like literally within two days, I had my hunting license in my hand, which I could effectively do zero with. <laughs> There's no hunting season really that <laughs> yeah. I could participate in, in in February. But when May came around in our spring turkey season, I remember my dad like taking me out of school to go spring turkey hunting with a friend, you know, and we weren't successful, but just the amount of excitement that was able to be built up because I couldn't go for so many years and wanted to go. Um, I feel like that just really put a lot of, um, it, it just, it really turned me into this person that was very passionate about hunting at a very young age. Now I'm not saying that, you know, getting kids out whenever they're younger, you know, won't create that same passion. It just, for me, it worked. Um, so I'm, I'm always curious on, you know, with other people that, that have kids, like, like, are you starting to try to introduce your kids? You know, your kids are five. Are you trying to introduce them in, you know, into the idea of hunting and, and trapping and things like that? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm already starting. I haven't brought them out to the field yet. Um, as far as hunting goes, but, uh, we, they love, they love to go hiking. When we go hiking, they love to bring some calls along with them just to mess around with. Uh, they call it hunting, you know. <laughs> they don't really. Um, my my son loves to just just hit a crow call in the middle of the woods for no reason. He gets so excited for it, um, even if you don't hear anything coming back. Um, uh, but going back to to being twelve and, and the anticipation leading up to it, um, that was big with me too personally. Uh, I was almost the exact same situation. Uh, I, my birthday is in February and same thing in New York, where you, if you're 11, you can take your hunter safety course at 11, but you can't get your license till you're 12. So I took it at 11. My uncle brought me to, uh, his gun club, which I'm a member of now, um, to take the course, took the course. And then, um, that coming February, I, like a day or two, or it might've even been on my birthday. My father might've taken me, uh, it was within a couple of days of my 12th birthday. I got the license. And again, like you, there wasn't much going on, but uh, my dad and my uncle did take me to for a walk in the woods with the 22 um, for squirrels. And we didn't get anything, but it was just awesome to be able to finally walk in the woods and, and hold a firearm um, and actually have that potential to who knows, I might see a squirrel come out of a nest today and, and get an opportunity. Um, so that, that anticipation and leading up to it for the years coming up, it worked for me, uh, similar to what you're saying. Um, I do feel, though, with certain people, uh, certain kids, they might even start to lose interest by that time. Um, I just feel like the, the older we get, the, the younger kids are when they start figuring out what they're doing with their friends and sports and, and, and even getting into trouble these days. Um, and I feel like the earlier you can get them more involved in it, the better chance you have of them really sticking to it. Um, I don't really have anything to back that up. That's just my, you know, personal opinion on that. Yeah, it um, definitely, it definitely seems like kids are sort of growing up faster these days absolutely. Right, than, than when we were younger. Um, you know, and honestly, it, just look at, look at childhood pictures, you know, like yeah. you got, you got kids that are six years old that look more in style than I looked at 18. Yeah. You know, like, 
they're just they're, they it just feels like they're growing up faster these days yeah yeah and i i'm, I'm sure the uh all the technology and the phones and the social media and all that kind of stuff is helping with that um push people right along so that's why i feel like it's more important now than it was when we were kids uh to, to get them hooked mm-hmm. young and there's obviously other things you can do besides getting them out in the woods hunting um because you i mean kids can tag along with you in, in new york as uh on any hunting trip as long as they're not um assisting in the hunt and all and that includes um making any calls or anything like that or, or even using binoculars to help you spot animals um there's nothing against there's no law in New York against me bringing my son into the turkey blind with me. Um, as long as he's not using any of the calls and obviously doesn't touch a firearm or a bow or anything like that. Um, so there are ways like that where you can still get them kind of involved. Um, but uh, even even just hiking, like I said before, you know, I feel like it, it can start at such a young age. I, I recently read uh, Stephen Ranella's new book, um, uh, Outside uh, Indoor Kids and oh, no, Outside Kids and Indoor World. Um, and he had a lot of good points in there. And another, another book I read recently was, um, the last child in the woods by Richard Lou, um, which both had some great points about just starting a love for nature and an appreciation for nature and the outdoors at such a young age, that can be as simple as just, um, you know, learning the birds at your bird feeder, um, catching bugs outside, you know, little things like that, just, um, get, get kids involved and want to be outside more and just more interested in the in in the wild outside and that's uh that's been working well with my children my kids will do anything to go outside and try to catch a frog uh or or even a bug in the house like they're just anything that's moving is alive they just they're all they're all about it they love their bird feeders um and i feel like stuff like that just anything to get them outside uh away from the screens away from you know the comfort of the indoors and just letting them explore uh, just, I think just something like that starts them so young and it can just, it helps foster that appreciation. Yeah. I find it interesting that you mentioned Ranella's book because when he announced that he was, you know, that the meteor team was working on this book and they're going to put it out. Um, I had just recently found out I was going to be a father, um, okay. not, not too long before that. So, you know, I pre-ordered the book. Um, I, feel like I had a pretty good idea of what, of some things I could do to try to instill a love for the outdoors in my son. But, um, you know, I'll always take tips. I'll always look for new things. And there were some great points in there about, you know, it's not just, you know, hikes and taking them on hunts, which are sort of like the big easy thing uh, or taking them fishing. Um, You know, it was like little things like, you know, go to your, you know, city park or your, your town park and identify the flowers that are there and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I mean, my in-laws live in suburbia and every night that, that we go there for dinner, uh, once a week, there's deer in the backyard. And I just, you know, anytime there's deer, I pick them up. Do you want to see the deer? And yeah, I let them yeah. look, I let them look through the window and see the deer. And I tell him he has to be yep. quiet or he's going to scare the deer. And we've done that for almost a year and a half now. Uh, and it's at a point now where he, he like sort of quiets down a little bit. And, you know, when I say, do you want to see the deer? He gets excited. Um, so, you know, it's just doing little things like that can sort of instill that that love of nature. So talking about family and all that stuff, I mean, you have a family that's slightly older than mine, um, you know, four years or so. I mean, how what's it like balancing an outdoor lifestyle and, and family and, and things like that? Uh, it's, it's gotten pretty tough the, the, the last uh, couple of years. Um, 
between work, you know, I have, I, I work a full-time job and I usually work overtime on top of that there. Uh, and then I also have a side business and then we'll have the kids, you know, two, uh, twins, boy, girl, twins, that will be five in December. Um, and, and the dog in the house and it's, uh, there's not a lot of free time at all, to be honest. So, um, I just, I try to go when I get the opportunities, take advantage of them. Um, and I know that it's kind of just like a, not a phase, but it's just like a temporary thing right now with the kids being so young because the way they've been, the interest they've been showing, I know once they get a little bit older, um, they're going to be my excuse to get out more, you know, like it's, uh, it's not, I'm not going hunting for me. I'm going out because the kids want to go, you know, um, <laughs> Same thing with fishing and all that kind of stuff. They love, uh, you know, we're lucky enough where I, we live near a lake. Um, it's uh, if I can walk from the house, it's about 10 minutes. I mean, there's a little dock down there at our lake access and we go fishing down there with the kids. And um, that's a lot of it is just tied in with them, you know, and it's just, you know, for these next few years until they're old enough where they can sit still a little bit longer um, and where maybe I can cut down on the overtime work a little bit, and just things a little bit easier at home um i'm sure that my time outdoors will start increasing back to what it used to be um but right now it's just trying to find a balance between it all you know yeah it's about you know that uh, i liken it to an investment right like uh, um, i'm maybe i'm hunting less maybe i'm going to camp less right now but um and then you know, I know in a couple of years, I'm going to hopefully through building this interest in outdoors, maybe take him out and, you know, and sit in the blind. And I know it might only last 45 minutes, right? Yep. But that's yep. an investment so that hopefully in the future, maybe he doesn't necessarily want to come hunting with me. I'm I'm not the kind of person that's going to push. I don't want to be the dad that yep. pushes something on him. But if he just enjoys the outdoors, like he, we don't have to hunt together. We can go hike together. If he wants to be big in the fishing, great. Let's go fish together. Um, if yep. it's bird watching, great. Like whatever it is, like just as long as it's outside, I'll feel like I was successful as a parent in developing a love of something that will benefit my son for, you know, the rest of his life. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I look at it the same way. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to push it and I'm not going to push. It. I'm going to try to encourage it. I'll try to foster that, that appreciation for the outdoors, um, nature and wildlife just as a whole. And we'll see where it goes. You know, if the kid wants, the kids want to hunt then the kids come hunt with me. If they don't want to hunt, they don't hunt. It's not a big deal. Um, but like you said, I just, I hope that it's some sort of appreciation of the outdoor world and, and wanting to spend time out there doing whatever it is, whether it's bird watching, hiking, whatever as opposed to wanting to sit inside and, uh, you know, play video games all day or something like that. Um, you just gotta, I, I know me personally, I'm already planning when I do finally take them out, I'm not going to plan on, on having a successful hunt in terms of harvesting anything. Um, it's going to, like you said, it's going to be more like an investment. If I, if I go out there with the mentality of I'm going to hang out with the kids in the blind, who knows, you never know what can happen, but I'm not planning on anything happening today except, you know, answering some questions, you know, we'll have some fun with the calls, you know, whatever. And, and it might only last a half an hour, 45 minutes, but as a parent and a hunter, I feel like if I'm okay with that before I go out, then it's going to be enjoyable for me. And it's going to be enjoyable for the kids. Yeah. It's uh, just, it, those... it's that re redefining the term success. Yes, absolutely. Well, one of the things you mentioned, uh, as we were sort of talking about, you know, balancing, you know, the whole outdoor lifestyle with all the responsibilities that you have is you mentioned sort of 
you know, this other job that you have. Uh, and it, it you said sort of like the side job, other job, it, you have an, a whole company, right? Like yearning okay, wild, yeah. or you, you, you just started your own company, yearning wild treats and chews. Um, tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, as if my life wasn't hectic enough between the full-time <laughs> job that I was working about probably 60 hours a week, uh, give or take on average, uh, plus the, you know, the twins, um, then, and the dog, uh, COVID hit. And uh, we decided that we we're going to start our own little side business here. Um, so basically what we did, we, it, it started off of, um, actually what it really started from was I had gotten a gift card from my brother-in-law about a two years before for, I don't know, it was my birthday or Christmas or something like that. And long story short, I wound up buying a dehydrator with that, um, gift card because I wanted to start making my own jerkies and stuff like that. I never really messed around with that. So I got that started doing, started making some of that stuff. Then I started making things for the kids, um, fruit and vegetable type stuff, like healthier snacks, like dehydrated banana chips and, uh, strawberries and blueberries and stuff like that. The kids loved them. So I kept making them. And I started looking into, I wonder what kind of, what, what things that I'm making here that the dog could eat too. So I started doing my research on, um, on dog safe fruits, vegetables, meats, all that kind of stuff. I started diving into making my own homemade dog treats for our dog. Um, so the treats that started out as kid treats then started turning into dog treats. Um, and then I started, uh, just doing some more research on, you know, if it would be, profitable and and a fun venture to uh, and doable to start selling these dog treats that i was making so um basically i just i did my research and it's a lot more involved than i'm sure most people that that don't do it uh would think um but i decided we were gonna go for it so we started making some dog treats uh and formed a legal business back uh this would be i guess 2020 2020 now it's september 2020 we formed a business um named it yearning wild treats and shoes um and uh, yeah we just we just started doing our treats and i had to do all these um certifications and stuff come come to find out that you can't just make treats and sell them like i thought it would have been something more like cottage law for example like these people that go to sell at farmers markets and stuff um because that's what I was going to do. And that's what a lot of people do. They do this. And turns out that it's a whole big thing through the state. The treats are red. Pet food is regulated federally. Pet treats are regulated by your state department of uh, agriculture. So I had to go through the department of agriculture and get all my treats approved. Uh, we currently, uh, we currently offer four varieties um, that are all approved by the state. And because they're jerky style treats, I had to also have them, uh, my stuff approved by, my recipes approved by uh, food scientists. So I had that approved. I went through Cornell University's food science program, had them uh, test out all my, my um, procedures that I do, the way I make my treats. They had to approve all that, sign off on it, had to pay them. <laughs> and then I have to register every year with the state, uh, New York state. They, I have to send them my labels. I have to send my stuff out to, uh, a lab to get analyzed for all the breakdown of all the, the protein and fats and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they need to approve everything. I need to pay my yearly registration fees on each treat. Um, and once we started getting in that deep, I figured let's just keep going. So uh, we invested in some more dehydrators. 
Uh, we started going around to different markets. We do farmers markets. We do uh, a lot of big events. We do we do some uh, dog adoption events. We'll sell out. We do the Orvis Game Fair every year. That's a huge one. Um, and we set up and we sell our stuff. We, we have our treats that we sell. Um, we also sell antler chews. We got a lot of different sizes and, and shapes and whatever of elk antler chews. We, we do uh, caribou antler chews, moose antler chews, uh, white-tailed deer antler chews. Um, and then we just, I just started messing around now with making, uh, crafts basically out of antlers. Um, so now we got some human treats on the side now too. We got one table of all our dog stuff. And then we got a table with bottle openers, uh, bottle stoppers, keychains, necklaces, stuff like that with, uh, various types of antlers. So, uh, that's, that's what we're working on now. And so while a lot of people started a, you know, pandemic hobby, uh, you really went for it, you know, swing, swinging for the fences <laughs> with going through all the rigmarole of, uh, you know, statewide stuff that you had to, you had to figure out, um, in all that, at some point you decided to become 2% certified. Uh, why? So I always, I always kind of wanted to do something on my own, like some, some kind of business whether it's more of a hobby business or a big business um and i was i was listening to the meat eater podcast a few years back and they had uh jared frazier on there from two percent for conservation uh he was the guest for the day and i listened to the whole podcast and i thought that's that's a really cool idea uh can't believe nobody else has done this yet up until this point uh and if i ever get to the point in my life where i do start a business doing something i didn't know what it was going to be yet but i wanted to do something um, if I ever get to that point and I do make a business, uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that it's, uh, 2% certified. So we formed the business in September. We started all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And we weren't allowed to start selling our treats until February. That's how long it took to get our registration and approvals and have everything sent to the labs and all that stuff. Um, and in that time I was on the phone back and forth with Jared. Uh, about what I could do to get get certified, things that would qualify as as you know, things as volunteer time and and different ways that uh, they rec- different ways that I could I could donate and and all this kind of stuff. So uh, once I called him up, we started talking. Uh, he loved the idea of the business and he loved the fact that we were interested. That we that I had been thinking about it for so long. It had been a couple of years, um, and then we got talking a little bit more, and I found out that there was no businesses in new york state that had been two percent for uh conservation certified yet so right then and there i said oh I, that now i really got to do it whether i was just you know entertaining it or not now i gotta get serious because i could potentially have the title of the first business in new york state to be two percent for conservation certified um so i like we we pushed it and we got it done and um we became the first new york state business that's uh 2% for conservation certified now there's one other now there's another business the hunt works up in rochester uh they sell uh, they're a retail outlet i believe that sells uh, tree stands and blinds and stuff like that uh and i think there might be more in the works but uh right now it's just us two uh and i was still i'm really proud to be the the first one and uh it was something that i just i wanted to do because I always want to give back and I, and even before the business and before the 2% for, uh, certification, um, I did give back. It's just, I, I never did as much as I wanted to. I always, there was always something holding me back, whether it was time, um, 
you know, time or getting to a certain place or, or not having the money at the time to make the donation I wanted to or whatever it was. So uh, part of it was that if I did this, it's going to, it's going to hold me accountable that now, now, now I'm talking about it, but now I have to do it because they're going to make sure I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Um, it gives me an excuse to get out there and do more and to give back more. Um, and, uh, you know, there's obviously some business pluses to it. You know, it's a, it's a good network of people, um, that I've met through there. I've met a lot of great people through there. Um, our mutual friend, Gary Mares, he was, uh, been great since day one, helped me out with a lot of stuff through there. Um, hooked me up with a lot of good people, um, and has been supporting my business, uh, since the first day I talked to him. Um, so a lot of great things have come out of it. Um, but to get back to what you were asking about why. Um, it, like I said, it was just something to a reason to give back something to hold me accountable and open up more opportunities to give back. Um, cause it's, it's, I've always enjoyed the outdoor space ever since I was a, a child, you know, most of my friends were playing sports and all that stuff. I was riding my bike around town with a fishing pole on my back. Like, that's what I was doing. Um, and just to be able to give back and help other people get involved and just, you know, repay mother nature as a whole for everything that I've gotten from it through my life is really the reason. And, and the kids, you know, it's a good way for me to get the kids involved in giving back as well. Jared's awesome, isn't he? He is <laughs> really, really cool dude. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I love Jared. He's a former guest on the podcast here and um, you know, but have been fortunate to talk to him on the phone, you know, multiple times over the last couple of years. And, um, he, he's just a ball of energy and you can tell he's passionate about what he's doing and it, it's great. I love him. I absolutely love him. And you mentioned Gary, Gary, uh, former guest on the podcast as well. Another, just someone who's just, you know, passionate about giving back in, in conservation, you know, and, um, he, you know, he's the guy that connected us and, yep. um, uh, you know, I can tell from talking to you that, you know, why he connected us was because you have that passion too. you know, you just, you want to give back, you want to um, be a, a driving force of good in conservation. And, and that's awesome uh, to hear. I, the more uh, I do this podcast, the more people that I meet that have that, that drive and want to be a part of the, the solution in conservation. And I just, I love the fact that there's so many of us out there um, and hopefully we can create a couple more. Uh, Kevin, before I let you go, I got to know what are your hunting and fishing plans for this year? Like what, what do you, do you have any trips planned? Do you have any long weekends? Um, are you going to go weekend warrior style? I mean, what is it that you're going to, that you're doing this year um, to try to put some of that uh, wild game, on the table at home? Uh, I haven't been out yet. Uh, the bow season here in New York, in my area of New York, opened up October 1st. I have not been out yet, but uh, I do have a vacation day scheduled for Thursday that I plan on going out. So going to finally make it out into the woods then. Um, basically weekend warrior style. You know, I, I got a, a good friend of mine that uh, we hunt a lot together. We're gonna, we got some days planned, me and him, to go out uh, some of our gun club properties. Um, and then I got some days planned to go with my father, um, later on in the season for the deer season. Uh, as far as deer hunting goes, that's really about it. I don't have any big, crazy, uh, trips planned or anything like that. Just a couple days in the woods, uh, during bow season, then into gun season. And, uh, I'm hoping to finally get into ice fishing this year. So some, yeah, something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I've slowly over time been gathering a little bit of equipment here, a little bit of equipment there. And I think I'm finally ready to give it a go. 
Uh, I have no excuse because I can walk to the lake. So, <laughs> and I finally have everything. So, uh, I think I'm going to give that a go and hopefully it's something I enjoy. And then hopefully it's something the kids enjoy, you know? Well, hopefully that walk to the lake doesn't end up a walk into the lake. Make sure that it's fully <laughs> frozen, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we talked a little bit ahead of time about some of the topics we were going to talk about. And I purposefully left this last one out because I want to uh, get your, um, just pure candid answer here. You have venison that you're going to, you know, make for dinner or lunch or whatever it is that you're going to make this venison. What is your like go-to recipe? This is the one I love. This is the one that um, is just great. You can't get any better than simple backstrap and a cast iron pan with some butter and onions. That's, that's it. That's all. That's, that's the absolute best dish. If you ask me, um, nice and simple, cut them about an inch thick, fry them for a couple minutes with some butter and onions. And that's it. That's, I can eat that all day, every day. That's my go-to. <laughs> that is something I hope to be having sometime soon here. Uh, <laughs> as, as I have a couple days off here, uh, as the rut starts picking up in Pennsylvania and I'm hoping that, uh, it will be successful. Uh, well, Kevin, thanks for joining me. Good luck all this season. Uh, and, um, Good luck with the company and thank you for being 2% certified. Thank you for giving back to conservation um, instead of, you know, just being greedy and keeping stuff for yourself. It's really appreciated. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening and I want to thank Kevin for coming on and, and talking about his history and his business and why it's important to give back to conservation. I really enjoy highlighting people like Kevin who really thrive in the outdoors, enjoy being out there, and realize that the outdoor space and, and wildness and the animals, they're not going to be there unless we give back, unless we do something to maintain them being there. And the fact that he has taken you know, his little business, that he pulls in some money, and he's giving it back to conservation, you know, not all of it, but he's giving his 2% back, you know. Um, it's just awesome to see. And I feel like the reason why it's important to highlight these businesses is because we as consumers need to take responsibility in where we're purchasing what we need. And if we have the choice to pay the same amount or even just a small amount more for a company like Kevin's to be able to give back to something that we care about, we need to make sure we're taking those steps. It's something that I put into practice and I hope that more of us will put that into practice as well. Until next time, when I hope you can join me, get outside, take someone with you and stay wild.